Welcome to the podcast of the Renew Community. We strive to be a Jesus community who cares about the things Jesus cares about. As we adapt in this season of pandemic, we are meeting in our house churches in person and online as a primary space for worship, formation, connection, and encouragement. Teachings like this are one way we engage with scripture seeking to become more like Christ. These teaching podcasts also serve as a conversation starter for deeper engagement at House Church. We're glad you're listening. Hi, Renew. Um, I'm here with Aubrey. We're excited to do something, try something a little different this week as we teach and wrap up the, the book of Ruth, chapter four. Uh, Aubrey and I thought it might be fun to uh, kind of co-teach or just have a dialogue about uh, the book of Ruth. Uh, Aubrey, first of all, thank you so much for um, bringing this up to to journey through Ruth uh, and for leading us in this. I'm so grateful for all the voices and creativity that you've invited into this space, and I think it's been really rich for us. Uh, I've been learning a lot from the book of Ruth, but as we head into chapter four, um, what captures your attention uh, in chapter four? Yeah. Well, thanks again for asking me to, or actually <laughs> me kind of requesting to do. <laughs> um, yeah. So chapter four, the last chapter, reading through it, I think um, from the beginning, we've seen the characteristics, the, the development of the characters. So I think two things, one, the, the development of the characters, and then also the genealogy. So let me start with the characters first. So Boaz, we see Boaz kind of take the lead in this chapter where he goes to talk to the elders at the city gate. And um, and Boaz is, is a good man. He's a, a man of Halil. And, um, but he's been amazed by Ruth a few times where Ruth kind of takes it up a notch. So I know that that Boaz is, follows the letter of the law, but then he understands the spirit of the law. He knows that there's a little bit more that you can do. So, so for example, when Ruth asked him to glean, um, she doesn't just ask to glean, she asked to go behind the first workers. And so usually a gleaner would be the third person through the field. First, you'd have the, the work, the male workers who would harvest, who would actually cut down the barley or whatever the crop was. And then you have the second workers who would come and gather the things. And then you would have the gleaners. Ruth requests to be in the second part. Um, almost on her first day, she asked to be not, not to be the gleaner, but to be behind the first workers. Mm. And so Boaz is amazed at that. He, he is amazed at how she's doing that, not just for her own sake, but to take care of a fellow Israelite and a family member. So there's this Boaz character and then, um, of course, Ruth's character, where she um, continues to show herself determined. And um, But I love in chapter four where she kind of fades, at least from um, the story, it seems. Now, she doesn't really fade, but the focus is not on Ruth anymore. And so even at the end, if, hopefully as a house church, you've already read chapter four. But if you haven't, you'll see that when she has a child, Obed, it's called Naomi's child, not Ruth's child. And so that was, you think, oh, that's kind of 
that's not fair. But the truth is Ruth requested that when she requested to marry Boaz, she, she made that choice. And so that's the gospel. I think laying down your life, laying down your own um, preferences. Um, yeah. For the sake of others, for the sake of the line of Elimelech and Naomi, laying that down is, is the gospel so I think Ruth shows that, this foreigner shows that so well. And then I think, of course, Naomi. I really wanted to focus a lot on Naomi in the first chapter because we often, again, we give her a bad rap. We think she's so whiny. And, but realizing everything that's happened to her um, and then realizing where the, the progress that she, the, I hate to say progress, but as she journeys through the book, the, the energy that she is, that's revitalized in her and the way that she wants to take care of her daughter-in-law. And then she, she, she comes back empty. And, and then at the end, she is full, right? Where what does it say that um, her daughter-in-law is worth seven sons. Sons were valued and prized then. She's, but her daughter-in-law is worth seven, so she's been full, and her line has continued. Um, so I think those are the three, the, the, the characteristics. And then, of course, the genealogy, which, Ben, I want you to talk about, because <laughs> you're the one that brought this up about Elimelech, the name, and then at the end. So I'll let you share. Yeah, I when we were kind of preparing, it just struck me reading the whole book um, from front to begin, from front to end. And I recognize like Elimelech is actually the first person who's named in the book of Ruth and his name talked about, it means my God is King. But the first thing that happens is Elimelech dies. Mm -hmm. My God is King dies. And the very last name that's mentioned in the book of Ruth is David. Uh, mm -hmm. And so we have this beautiful story of redemption. Obviously, that's a huge theme in the book of Ruth. Uh, but it's redemption that happens through, as you talked about, the hesed of these characters and the way that they are obedient to God and that they're participating in God's love and that um, God works what God does in this beautiful story of redemption we have these genealogies and then you know you look at the the genealogies of of Matthew um, of course the line of Jesus and and Ruth and Boaz are mentioned and that's so significant and uh, we'll include that in the house church liturgy for folks to take a look at but those those genealogies of Matthew and just the significance that Ruth an outsider is named uh, in the genealogy of Jesus uh, but also, even uh, I was fascinated by names that are mentioned in Ruth, the, the blessings. Um, they mention Rachel and Leah, and mm. though they're connected to the family, in some ways they're also outsiders. Um, mm. I was thinking about the story of, of um, Rachel taking the household idols as they're leaving. So even, even in that, like she's kind of an outsider. And then Tamar is listed in this. And so we have all of these um, kind of outsider women who play a really significant role um, in, in God's story. Uh, and then in Matthew's uh, genealogy, we find out something significant about who Boaz's mother was. It's not listed in this book, but um, I'll leave that up to house churches to, to take a look at. But 
it's just so incredible the ways in which we're really fortunate to, to a lot of the people are, are named. Um, we don't know all of their stories, but they're named because they're significant to God. And we're really fortunate to have this story of Ruth and Boaz and Naomi. So we have to hear more of their story, that they're, they're ordinary people, but God does miraculous things in their life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you have any other thoughts on the genealogies, Aubrey? No, I think that's, yeah, that's about it. Yeah. 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 yeah it's, it, it's so like just the, this is a small story. Uh, but it's their lives and this story is is a part of God's much bigger story of redemption. And there's so many, um, yeah, the gospel is all over this book in lots of ways and we can make allusions to Jesus. Even um, you you actually draw my attention to the when Boaz approaches the other relative, the word that he uses, the, the Hebrew uh, I forget exactly what it is, but it's kind of like saying Joe Schmo, like this rhyming, like we're not going to name him. And so he's not named. Um, and in some ways that's like, because he's not willing to redeem the name of Elimelex. So he's not named, but on the other hand, it also feels like we're not going to dishonor this relative by naming him. We don't want him to be shamed because he wasn't able to redeem. And I, it struck me that he he says to Boaz, you redeem my redemption uh, because I cannot. And just that it just hit me the other day, like, that's what Jesus has done for us. Like, we cannot redeem. Uh, and so we need a redeemer who is able. Um, and so even in that story of, uh, yeah, Boaz going through that process with the relative, I think that's significant, mm-hmm. both in the sense of how Boaz is a man of Halil, a man of honor. And so even though there's this romance budding between him and Ruth, mm-hmm. he's not going to just move forward without um, obedience and honoring his his family, his culture, mm-hmm. uh, his mm-hmm. and that. And I think that speaks volumes as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and even he is going to take care of Ruth. Right. And it might be that another one redeems, another one marries her. But he doesn't just say, oh, I'm not going to be part of it. You go to the other relative. He takes that upon himself. Yeah. Care for her. Yeah. Under his wings. Right. Yeah. Under his wings. So. Yeah. And I think you, you highlight it too, just in the characters that are developed and the, the ways that they um, kind of are transformed. Uh, I think the transformation of Naomi, um, I was also struck. You've mentioned that like the word turn aside and Uh this idea of repentance is, Uh throughout the book and we actually see that phrase in chapter four a few times yes Uh Um, but i was i was taken back to chapter one when um naomi turned to go back to judah uh and even just the the faith that she had it says she had heard that the lord was providing in Uh in judah and i was wondering like i wonder who she heard that from was it a word that she heard from the lord or was Mm. it from other people but she turned she's turning um, to the Lord who she recognizes as 
as sovereign. There's so much in this story. I know. <laughs> for hours. I know. <laughs> yeah. What What else in in with the book of Ruth as a whole? Like, what has just kind of made your soul sing, or mm-hmm. how has the the spirit inspired or transformed you through this biblical story? Yeah, I I always have enjoyed Ruth growing up. I just remember enjoying the book, not fully understanding all of it, just like even now, not fully understanding. Um, there's so much more to learn. But um, and, and so this past summer, I was actually with my dear friend in Indiana. We were going for a walk and um, we both said, oh, we love the book of Ruth. <laughs> and I said, yes, I do, too what is it about Ruth? Why do you love it so much? And she said, uh, which is appropriate for Valentine's day is she says, it's a love story. And she says, and I don't just mean a romantic love story between Boaz and Ruth. It's a love story between Ruth and her mother-in-law between all, all of them. And so I think that's, I I think because we are drawn to stories, it is, um, yeah, it does make my heart sing, and to see the character, see the development of the characters. Um, I work with people; that's what I do for a living, and so I enjoy being with people. I enjoy learning about people and their their stories and their characteristics, and um, and so I think that is, I guess, originally why I got interested in the book, um, and then I think. Um, yeah, I think just, hmm. I think we we become who we're around. And so we are not islands. We are, whether we like it or not, whether we're admitted or not, we are influenced by the people we spend time with and who we look up to. And so I think I look up to Ruth. I think... I look up to Boaz and Naomi. I look up to them, not in a pedest- put them in a pedestal away, but I, um, I don't know how to say it, if that makes sense. I appreciate who they are. Um, and I've always been just drawn to that, I guess. And then I think the, um, if you guys have seen Frozen 2, <laughs> there's a song um, that she that she sings the next right thing. She just she doesn't know what to do, but she does the next right thing. So I I've always liked that. I and I thought, well, what if we change that to the next has said, <laughs> the next act of good faith? What if that's how we lived with the guidance of the Holy Spirit? Is we don't have to see the whole picture. We can just do the next has said, next act of good faith. Um, so that's what I am learning. I guess that's where the Holy Spirit has been very much alive and in me. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I love that idea. And I think, I think that's what stood out to me too, is yeah. The ways in which Ruth and Boaz and Naomi are kind of formed by one another. Like you said, they're, they're transformed by who they're with. Um, it's clear that Boaz is inspired by what Ruth has done for her mother-in-law. Uh, and then like, yeah, as we enter in this story, we get to be kind of formed and transformed by these characters. But it, 
ultimately it's it's the God who's behind this story. Yeah. It's the God who's in this story, acting through mm-hmm. through these characters, uh, and then intervening, who's who's forming us in that. Mm-hmm. I said, um, and I have been. Uh, Dave Balecki challenged me to to read the the New Testament along with others in the month of January to read the whole New Testament. One of the things that just stands out to me when I read the New Testament is how many times it talks about doing good. Um, that's mm-hmm. what our our faith is supposed to produce that we we do good. Um, and and Jesus says, uh, "Let your light shine." Um, so that others may see your good works and give glory to God. And, and that idea of the fruitfulness of goodness, um, that the, the, one of the New Testament words, um, kalos for good, has this idea that it's inspiring, that it's winsome, mm. that it's attractive. And I think we see this in the book. Oh, of Ruth. Uh-huh. Um, and, and I've noticed it like, I, I love the snow um, because it's just an opportunity to, to see neighbors out shoveling together. But one of the things I notice is that, you know, somebody shovels a little bit extra or plows a little bit extra to help their neighbor. Uh-huh. Uh, and that has this like uh-huh. inspiring effect that then the other neighbor goes yep. out and shovels for the next neighbor. Um, so there's this, yeah, just fruitfulness of goodness uh-huh. that I think that's who we're called to be as a church. That uh-huh. We, we, we spend time in house churches so that we can rub off on each other, mm-hmm. inspired by um, the acts of goodness that Christ has created us for, that Christ has redeemed us for. Um, so I love that idea of, you know, the next act of good faith. Mm-hmm. I think that's a good uh, invitation for us as, as house churches. Like, what's the next act of good faith we can do together? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, beyond that, like any other encouragements or challenges that you've that come to your mind as we come to the close of our study of Ruth? Yes, read your Bible. <laughs> I know that sounds so. I I know for me, I, God has always met me, and fa- I have found comfort when I have read my Bible. That is just where God has met me the most. Um, and so I I know that it is my personality. I understand that, <laughs> but. I, my encouragement for in my challenge, I guess, is read, 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 savor your Bible. We are inundated. Is that the word? We are just full of podcasts and information and noise and yes, really, really good things. But God is speaking to us and God can speak to us. I know God speaks to me the most in the quiet. And so when there isn't so much noise and maybe people in Renew have experienced that as well, but God will speak to you in your, in the Bible. He just, God will. And so I guess that's my encouragement is that's, that's one encouragement. I think two is I've said this and I'll say it again is in our wilderness, Renew has been creating. And so be creative. I just encourage people to be creative. And I don't just mean be artistic. I don't mean if you can draw or there's creative ways. Um, the way that you homeschool your kids, the creativity and finding a new way to do something again and again, <laughs> you know, where, yes, this is old, this is tiring. We have to do the spelling, but finding that creative way to do that again. Um, finding that time to read those, those articles and write, 
uh, whatever that means. Um, yeah, I think that is the challenge. Just be creative in this time of wilderness. Don't let this, this narrative that you have to be productive. You know, that's the narrative of especially of our cultures. Be productive. Everything has to be efficient. And, you know, that's the, God gave us the Sabbath, you know, the Sabbath to say to, you know, even to the Israelites, when you were in Egypt, you had to work all the time your productivity. No, you're going to rest. You, you can rest. That That is um, the, the God of rest, not of just productivity. And of course, there's a Sarah Groves song because I love Sarah Groves. And she talks about um, wasteful and extravagant, that times of Sabbath, times of enjoying God can seem wasteful and extravagant. But God is not God doesn't just have a little bit to give. <laughs> it is endless, everlasting, this endless flow of water, this endless flow of giving. So be extravagant. Go, go enjoy that meal. Go, <laughs> go bless your neighbors. Go the extra miles, you know, whatever that extravagant looks like, that creativity. And then I think the third thing is we have a lot to learn from those who are gleaners. And we hear gleaner and we think it, it's a pot, oh, gleaning. You know, we imagine Ruth as this, oh, fair, you know, um, woman and just beautiful and everything. But in reality, she's probably calloused hands, calloused feet. She worked, she worked hard, muscles, right? Like she was, she was working to survive for her family. And so I was trying to think what would be a modern day and that maybe, I don't know what it would be a modern day idea of gleaning. I don't, I hate to say begging because she, but um, she worked hard. I don't know, Ben, if you can think of any, anything, I don't know. Um, but she worked hard. And so I think most of us that go to renew our middle class. And so, um, we don't quite understand and that's okay. We don't have to understand, but we have a lot to learn from our um, neighbors who do glean, who live like that on a regular basis. So that's yeah. my challenges. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's a, a great invitation to pay attention um, to those who are, are marginalized in, in one way or another. Um, and to listen, I, I think that was a huge thing in in that first teaching you did on Ruth One is the invitation to listen to other people, to hear their stories, to hear what they're experiencing. Uh, that's so important and 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 sacred in so many ways. Um, yeah, and and the one thing that I've just been thinking about is as I read chapter four uh, and thinking about the story of Ruth as a whole is like the the stories of people in my life that I know that I've been in relationship with who um, who inspired me or transformed me mm -hmm. because I saw them living out this has said and so I think one of the mm -hmm. the things I'm I'm looking to do in the next couple of weeks is just to um, thank those people mm -hmm. in some sort of way mm -hmm. um, and and maybe even tell their story and how it's inspired me. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. That's really good. Mm -hmm. 
well, Aubrey, again, thanks for leading us. Uh, do you have a, a final word uh, for our house churches? Um, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I, I just appreciate, I do. I appreciate the, again, the creativity and the dialogue that I have had with people who have enjoyed this book as much as I have, who have been willing to go on this um, together. Um, and so continue in acts of good faith. Yeah, let's continue with that. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good word. Thanks, Aubrey. Thank you for listening to the podcast of the Renew Community. This in no way should replace the formation within a community of Jesus followers. If you are looking for a church, would like more information about Renew, or would like to give financially to this ministry, check out our website at renewcommunity.org.